Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Comfort Films podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Clue the movie uh, as part of our Mystery Month series. And we have a special guest, Jen Rydell. Uh, we met Jen through Worcester Shakespeare. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know that's the only friends that we have. <laughs> only uh, people we ever met in our lifetime. That's it. The best people, you know. Everyone we met through there is the best people. So um, it was great to work with, with Jen during uh, Taming of the Shrew. And then uh, again the next year. Um, we did Hamlet and Comedy of Errors, and we got to know Jen. We got to know Jen's husband. We got to know Jen's stepdaughter and pretty much the entire family, um, and we love these folks. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> We've kept in touch, um, even though we moved to the other side of the country, made sure we got to visit when we were out in Massachusetts a few years back. They threw a party for us when we came back. Right, because how could you not? But basically, you know, Jen and the whole Rydell team are the the best. And, you know, we were super psyched uh, that they decided to join us for this episode. And I was even more psyched because when we asked them what their favorite movie was, Jen was like, let's do Clue. And that is one of my very favorites as well. Well, it was actually first I was like Princess Bride, but then you already did that one. And then I was like, how could you have not done Clue yet? <laughs> like, honestly. Um, yeah, there's a couple movies that I used to work at the Hollywood Video in Ithaca, New York. And up there, you know, before the store opened, you could put on whatever movie you want getting everything cleaned up and whatever so like princess bride and clue were the two that i would put on in the morning and i just go up down the aisles like reciting the lines and my manager was like i'm afraid of you i think what well that just further cements the fact that i guess you and i are kind of the same person um, a lot of times i remember in worcester shakes people used to be like calling me jen calling you georgia um we don't look that much alike folks but i don't know it must just be our our personas are just spilling out of us like that because princess brad and clue are definitely my top two most watched movies of all time um, Princess Bride, because I watched it every time my dad would take us uh, on the weekend when I was like 12 years old. And then my mom worked at the library and she would bring home a VHS tape for us to watch pretty much every day. And at one point, I really was just asking her to bring home Clue every single day. And I was just watching it every single day mm -hmm. because I love it. It is like the most quotable. It absolutely is clue is just one of those movies that once you see it you really don't forget it it was something i wanted to see in the theater and it just you know the miracle never came for me with that <laughs> um i used to always like see the ad in the paper and what stood out to me was that you know we're really old people here you used to be able to look in the newspaper see the listing of the movies there was like a poster of the movie and it would show you the show times at the theater now, what was unique about Clue the movie 
is that it actually had different show times for each of the different endings. So you would actually have to pay three times to see Clue to see all the endings. Yeah. And that's just like mind blowing to me because when I watch the movie, it's like if I only got one, I mean, I would like it, but like I need all three. Well, I mean, I don't know if I would even say I would like it because, I mean, fortunately, my encounter with this was first on video where all the endings are there. And I actually love the fact that there are all three there. It's like, well, this could have happened or this could have happened or this could have happened. And I was a big fan of the board game. And of oh, course, yeah. every time you play the game, there's like a different outcome. So it makes sense. But I think like, for example, if I went to the movies and I only saw the B ending, which is the Peacock ending, I would have felt kind of cheated because it's pretty short. Like the Peacock ending is pretty truncated in comparison to, to say the C ending where, you know, it's every single part. It's more of an Agatha Christie ending, the C ending. Yeah. Because, like, every single person is responsible for something. Like Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, all those tropes are here, and it's pretty great. That's another thing I love about it, I'm sure. Like, I used to work at a discount movie theater. Like, I've done everything. Um, <laughs> but even with that, like, I don't know that I would have been able to keep track of, like, all three <laughs> endings. So... You know, I think part of the root of the popularity of this movie is that video release where they had all three of those endings because I loved that. And it was one of those that like, you know, um, when you're talking about things like comfort films, you know, these are the things that I watched when I was on sick day from school. And, you know, this is something you can watch and you can kind of fall asleep and then you can come wake up and you're like, oh, okay, okay. So this is kind of what's going on. And, you know, <laughs> it's easy to catch up with it kind of thing. Yeah. And especially with those three different endings, like, I don't know, you could sleep through two of the endings, just get the C ending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is great. I do think that in that respect, I would have been okay with just getting one ending if I was sick and just kind of snoozing in and out. I also love that you can kind of just pick up at any point of this movie and enjoy it from that point. Like, you start at the beginning, great. You start at 15 minutes in, super. You start at 45 minutes, you're still fine. You still have good stuff to watch because it's, like, really well written. The cast is incredible. And there's just a lot of fun, like, sprinkled throughout this whole movie. Yeah, so. and, and the best part, like, even, you could even miss, like, the whole first half of the movie. <laughs> so this is one of those great films that, like, you can be flipping through. And if you see that Tim Curry is starting to explain something, you're like, oh, great, this is, this is great. He's going to give me a whole recap of what's happened so far. So That's I don't true. even need to have watched the first half. Super true. I could come in for the credits and still be satisfied because I love the way they flip the playing cards yeah. of Clue the game. Right. And right, it's each character. That to me is so satisfying. Like, and you get to hear shake, rattle, and roll, which, which is ex great. <laughs> exactly. I think this is honestly like one of the best board game movies that I have seen. Maybe one of the better video game movies, but I can't think of like any other video game movie that's pop into my to pop into my head right now. Well, Double Dragon, of course. I mean, that's <laughs> oh, lit. I mean that is an absolute <laughs> classic. That uh, that Super I think Mario Street movie. Fighter. Street Fighter. Oh there. yes. Yeah, oh, Super wow. Mario with uh, 
let's see, Super Mario with um, what's his face? I'm, or, Bob Hoskins and Bob John Leguizamo. And John Leguizamo, exactly. And was and Dennis Hopper Dennis the bad Hopper. guy? In that? King oh Koopa. my gosh! Oh my. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's great. We love Dennis Hopper. We keep talking about him out of context of anything. Every <laughs> episode, we're just like, let's talk about Dennis <laughs> Hopper for no reason. Excellent. So I'm so glad that I'm glad your, that he could come back. Here's your Dennis yeah. Hopper Easter egg then. <laughs> <laughs> well, the M. Bison, Raul Julia, I mean, that deserves its own monument, you yeah. know, like yeah. a nice statue. That We'll have to do that maybe one time because I know you love it so much. <laughs> I love Bisonopolis <laughs> and the explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, that movie is just really good. What I mean, what else was there? There was Doom with with uh the rock i that don't remember that recent one so well. yeah there's like prince of persia prince there's, of persia there's a lot of m tomb raider yes. there's a lot of video game movies but how many how many board game movies though there was battleship oh which, good one. i did not see but i i i think i think the last time i went to walt disney world they were they had like an mgm ride or it was featured ah, on the engine ride. Okay. Sure. Well, it's I, I worked with a guy that was in Battleship. Oh, nice. There you go. I yeah. like the game Battleship. That's yes. the only thing I have to contribute because I haven't seen the movie. I I don't know anyone who was in it. <laughs> but <laughs> I've played the game a lot, and I actually really like that one. So. Oh, yeah. That one is a good one. It's so good. All right. So let's talk about the acting in this movie. I mean, this is an incredible ensemble cast, top to bottom. I mean, these are our superstars that they put together, you know, and it feels like to me, it feels like a play. I would love mm. to watch this on stage. Can I tell you, like, that is exactly what I was thinking. Um, so, you know, full disclosure, I actually found out that um, my husband and my stepdaughter have never seen this movie before so which is what? insane to me like i don't know how you can be on yeah. planet earth and was... not have seen this at least once or seven times really exactly so i did watch it with my stepdaughter and she fully enjoyed it but that was the thing that kept coming back to me as i was watching this i was like you know this really reminds me kind of of like noises off it's so many oh. like character actors and personalities that they're just like playing with each other and going in and out of doors it's like you're very it's like that three-door comedy like back to that kind of farce except there's a couple more doors going on here but <laughs> because it is like all of those fantastic personalities like they could like you said they could exist on a stage so easily i would love to see it i would pay big money for this you know, I mean, Christopher Lloyd, I mean, it's so big, but it's so precise and bold. Michael McKeon, it's like this really great reserve performance. Like, it he keeps is. it really close to the vest. It's exactly. just like everyone has that part. It's like, it's like all of these pieces fit. I mean, no one, there's no weak link. 
No, none. no, there's not. And they all just like work so well together. Like that is really the other thing is like you can really tell that they really do respect each other as characters and mm. they're really playing up like this super suspicious thing and doing whatever they can to kind of trap another person into some sort of, you know, oops, ah, gotcha <laughs> kind of thing just to like throw attention to them instead of themselves. It's it's just like a s- amazing study in comedy. It's just so yeah. brilliant. I love how even everything is because a lot of times you put, you know, all these actors who, you know, they're not like super well known, but they're not like unknown, but somehow they're able to like manage egos and kind of all contribute fairly equally to the success of this movie which impresses me a lot because I do feel like somebody's always trying to run away with it but not in this movie I feel like you know everybody's given each other space and time to do what they do best Mm -hmm. and each person in the film has kind of their specific thing like your call out with Michael McKeon like he's something you said last night when we were watching it again is that, you know, he's kind of trying to fade into the background most of the time. Yes. Yep. Um, he's so understated, you know, until, like, ending C, when he, like, ends the whole film, and it's hilarious. I'm going to go home and have sex with my wife. <laughs> he says, sleep with my so wife. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Right. Oh, it's so good. And even, even, like, when they're going through, and they're, like, going through what everybody's thing that they're being blackmailed for, like... I'm going to bet that he probably wasn't originally being blackmailed for being gay, but he was just like, all right, they can't know. Like nobody else here can know that I work for the FBI or whatever it is. He's like, let me just stand up and I'll just make this thing up. And, you know, we'll just throw everybody off the scent and everybody's just like, yep. Okay. Don't want to know you right now. (laughs) And it worked really well because to me, that was the funniest thing is like, and the, the funniest, one of the funniest things is that the two worst sins out of everyone were homosexuality <laughs> and socialism. Exactly. <laughs> like, nobody was more disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> nobody was more disgusted with anything than those two things when Mr. <laughs> Green says he's a homosexual and when Wadsworth says that his wife was friends with socialists, she wasn't even a socialist. She was just friends with them. Exactly. And everyone is so disturbed and disgusted, and it's <laughs> hilarious. I love it. Well, uh. also in that reveal, you have Christopher Lloyd, you know, Professor Plum. He's sitting on the couch with Mr. Green. You know what I mean? And as soon as he says he's gay... It's like he immediately has to get off that couch. Yeah, they have to, <laughs> you like, know, I'm not gay. the premises immediately. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's just, and it, the timing uh, is what impresses me. Oh, yeah. And it, because it's so quick, right? Like, the, the Mrs. White, when she says that she cut off, you know, the husband's head, <laughs> when the husband, no. she doesn't admit to it. Yeah, right? You know, the, my his husband head was, was cut off and his, you know. Yeah. yeah. Then the three guys in sync cross their legs oh, yeah. yeah brilliant you know brilliant yeah. oh so funny i i don't know i mean that's the thing and, and everybody's different you know so you've got madeline khan doing like the madeline khan thing yeah yeah which perfectly gels with <laughs> mrs white you know eileen brennan is pretty brilliant as mrs peacock because she just comes across 
just like what she's supposed to like this Mm -hmm. kind of society dame who's also got like a hard edge to her because she's out here bribing people in the men's room right so right you can see like like, both sides of her there if if you don't know how like farm birds are like i i'm (laughs) First off, I'm not having a peacock because I'm, like, insanely superstitious. But also, like, peacock, like, we have a, we have a goose and a gant and a, two geese and a gander. And, like, those are animals you don't cross. And I've heard that, like, peacocks are worse than that. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> that's really funny. I never really thought about a peacock <laughs> apart from the blue collar. But, yeah, she... She kind of rules the roost in there. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yep. You don't mess with them. And then, like, Christopher Lloyd being, like, this drunk womanizer <laughs> is amazing. And this came out the same year as Back to the Future. Wow. So, oh like, big year for Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, it's an 80, 1985. Oh, my god. You know, gosh. he couldn't be much more different, <laughs> although everything he plays is chaotic madman Mm -hmm. so this is just like a different version of that but this was the the, i just i loved him in this i thought he was hilarious even since i was a little kid and shouldn't have really (laughs) thought about this that much you know but i i that's another thing i watched this first when i was pretty young i mean i was like probably 11 or 12 i mean maybe 10 even and i'm sure that i didn't get all the jokes but i still loved it and that's what makes it super rewatchable because the older you get, you know, you're catching different things or, you know, mm-hmm. you know more about the McCarthy era or whatever. You right. get more out of it and you can keep just rewatching it. Of course, it's hilarious. Tons of lines in this. I mean, I pretty much memorized the entire movie, I guess. But, you know, it's it's rewatchable infinitely because of so many things but i mean the cast which is what we started off talking about in this section Mm -hmm. here the cast is kind of unbeatable it's all these super comedians somehow balancing each other out all having like their own special thing and then for me like the centerpiece person of this is tim curry as wadsworth i mean i don't think it gets better than him. He's my favorite for right? sure. See, this is, this is, you know, this is where I know my Tim Curry from. <laughs> so this is, this is kind of the movie there. So it's just, I, I, it, it was one of those things that like, if Tim Curry shows up, you know, what's going to happen? Is he, is he polite or is like he lose cannon? Something's going to happen. Yeah. Well, he's like a perfect master of ceremonies. It really turns it into almost like a, a game show, like the way he does it, because he's this he's this moderator for the, for the whole affair, and you love it. And what they do with his character, giving him that ending where he is evil, you know, mm. that's the same thing that they do with a couple of the other characters. So it's like you really get to see the depth of everyone's acting chops, like Eileen Brennan. Right. In particular, this time, you know, mm-hmm. when she, you know, was like, she has the gun in her purse, that gave me chills. This is a completely different person yeah. than exactly. this aloof society that woman. That one I totally did not see coming. And, like, I always kind of, like, really was really suspicious and kind of just like, Ugh, 
Mrs. Peacock. I also really, <laughs> I, I also never liked like um, the fact that she's wearing like a brown dress or like yeah, not I a agree. blue dress. I was like, why aren't you wearing more or more feathers? Or more feathers? She's like more of like a guinea hen, which yeah. those are just loud <laughs> and obnoxious. Well, actually. I think they were. <laughs> All the women have the complementary color of what their name is, like, so the opposite. So, like, Miss Scarlet is wearing green, Miss White is wearing black, and Miss Peacock is wearing kind of like a brownish, orangish themed thing. It's much more brown, but I think that's what they were trying to go for. But I would have loved to see her in something a bit more flamboyant. Because I agree. Exactly. And. Yeah. She's blending in a little too much. And she does have that weird kind of hat like thing on. I do love that though. Because when it starts (laughs) falling off and driving her nuts. It becomes kind of a hilarious prop with her just having it falling in her face all the time. It looks like a nest. Yeah. That's true. It's like. And she also has the peacock like brooch right on her chest. Oh does she? Like I think she has like a bird pin. I thought it was a peacock. So it's yeah. Little things like yeah. Miss Scarlet. I wanted a red dress. I wanted a red dress. Yeah. They went with green. I love the green dress. So. It looks I have no complaints. I always thought that was amazing looking. I was just going to say I was one of those kids who was like, oh, I recognize she's a scarlet woman. And I felt like really smart about that as like, you That's know, a nine year old or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, just to since we're talking cast, I actually read that Leslie Ann Warren was the last minute replacement um, for Carrie Fisher. That's who they originally had planned. I had heard the same thing and I'm like, no, I'm a- I'm actually liking Leslie Ann Warren a lot in this one. I am too. And I think her. she's perfect. She was my favorite when I was growing up. I've ca- I've since kind of had Tim Curry really take over that position mm. as MVP, but I loved Miss Scarlet in this and I think Leslie Ann Warren is really perfect. Mhm. Yeah, it I I don't think Space Mom could have done that. White as well. Love Space Mom and everything, but. Yeah, and and it's funny because, yeah, Leslie and Warren, I guess, was married to John Peters, who's one of the producers. So the producers, this is Goober Peters, which is hilarious. That sounds funny. Laugh at that. Hey, Um, Goober. But Peters is married to Leslie and Warren, so they got her at the last minute. And that was a happy accident because I think she is exactly who I envision now in my head if I think of Miss Scarlet. I think she's incredible. Did you ever notice? Because we did, and we read the trivia, and we noticed it. They show up. Their car is the color of the character. Like Colonel Mustard shows up in a yellow car. You know, Mrs. Peacock's in a blue car. Now, Professor Plum and Miss Scarlet show up together. So that car, like, we had some debate on, Georgia and I. We're like, is that... Is that red? Is well, that plum? I thought a mix of both. They said that it is together. a purple car in the trivia. Okay. And Miss Scarlet's car that breaks down the side of the road is definitely red. So okay. Then we got I it. I think that, yeah. And then we have green for Mr. Green. So I wasn't sure, but Miss Peacock, because Miss Peacock's car doesn't show up until the end. So we don't see that until ending B when she's going to get in the car. She's getting into a blue car. And that's when Howard Hessman shows up. <laughs> And tells her the kingdom of God is at hand and arrests her, which is amazing. 
we couldn't get over that Howard Hessman, who's like this super like counterculture icon, is playing like the FBI guy. It was yeah, so was smart, like, dude. That's the that's the president from he- or the teacher from head of the class. <laughs> that's what I <laughs> thought too at that time because I was like I loved that show. Right. Yeah. And also it was Johnny Fever from WKRP. Oh my god, that's right. Love. <laughs> well, we also have another connection, which is Spinal Tap. Oh, and yeah. that's so weird because we have Michael McKeon. Mm-hmm. And then again, we have Howard Hessman. I True. mean, how different are these roles? I did not put that together. That's very smart. You're right. A normodome. Yeah. We loved Howard <laughs> Hessman's like quick one. What was his name? Terry? Tap. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, Terry something. We'll have to look. We have to later. look. Yeah. But yeah, he he's very funny in this. Well, and like, I think that. Maybe the reason that I'm so, like, over the top thinking that Tim Curry is so great in this is because out of everybody, I feel like he gets to have the most range. Like, you know, he's playing this uptight butler. Then when he starts, like, explaining what's happened, he becomes pretty unhinged, Mm -hmm. like, running all over the mansion and dragging people around, pushing Mr. Green down, like, an inordinate number of times, which is hilarious. And then, you know, out of the endings, we have one ending where he's, like, this badass, like, FBI guy, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And then we have another ending where he's the bad guy. So, you know, I think he gets to do a lot here, and he relishes it, clearly. That's, like, another one of those, like, on on my last view as well, like, you know, going back to that moment when Mr. Green's like, you know, i don't want to wait for him to expose me. I just want to expose myself. And <laughs> please, and there are ladies present. Too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he comes out and he says, you know, I'm being, you know, exposed because I'm a, I'm being blackmailed because I'm a homosexual. And it cuts back to Tim Curry and he's like, wait a minute. And I'm like, <laughs> I love that like nonverbal. It's just like that just goes back to like tying this into, you know, a theater thing. Like, it, those little moments and those, like, you know, nonverbal cues to be like, hey, we got to look at this for a second. And then think yeah. about that, you know, when you're working, when you're especially, like, these mystery movies like this, you know, going yeah. back and doing that rewatch, you're like, oh, how soon did he know? <gasps> you know, and that might <laughs> be the true. time that he knew. And, yeah, you do. Well, I personally, when I rewatched, I was like. <laughs> Oh, was Miss Peacock actually not there when they go in to talk to Yvette, you know? And she's not. So it's that pretty too. smart. Like And I love when they when folks have attention to detail like that. Like those little things are just like ah, oh, I love <laughs> those little touches. And the fact that, you know, somebody in editing is like, hey, 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 you forgot about the thing. Do go back and do it. Ugh. God, guys, you know, I guess now they would CGI her out or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like there's so many, so many things that I guess now we, we may take for granted when we're talking about, like, movies or television or things like that, that, you know, obviously you can't get away with CGI on a stage, generally speaking. True. No. So. And the... The pratfalls that people take in this are heavy. Like Michael McKeon, 
There's one where his leg goes up so high, and then he just slams down. And then Tim Curry throws him around, you know, a couple times. And then it's that perfect one where it's like Tim Curry puts him in the bathroom, and then like a second later, we hear a toilet flush, and then Michael McKeon's coming out, you know, drying his hands. I mean, it's just this precision timing from this entire oh. cast and they can feel these beats oh yeah right? it's so smart it's so smart and i just when when tim curry starts getting super unhinged like describing all the murders mm-hmm. and you know they he, he'll say you know that they found somebody dead and he'll just pretend to be dead and then everybody's freaking out you know, like when they go to the secret passage, they're talking about Mrs. Ho. Mm-hmm. He goes through the secret passage. They all run to the kitchen. You know, Mr. Green opens the door again because he's the one who found Mrs. Ho. I and didn't then, do it! <laughs> and, and Tim Curry <laughs> looks like he's dead and like falls out and everybody's screaming. And then Mr. Green's like, ah, and then he just dumps him on the ground. Right. Yeah, they and, just drop so many people. Well, it's there's, so funny. There's a whole like trope in this, which continues to be more and more hilarious that at first they're being very careful with all the dead bodies. And Mm -hmm. then the more people that die, the less careful they get. There's dropping people on the floor. They're just the singing telegram girl. They just like (laughs) toss her out and they just don't even care. Like by that point, you're just like, well, you shouldn't have died last lady. If you wanted to be treated with respect. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Ugh, really it's just it's just like let's let's like take this little thing like you know murder whatever we'll take a little (laughs) murder and then we'll just kind of like push it a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and then it just like tips over into absurd but then it just like keeps going and it's like i absolutely love stuff like that like there's if you are talking about like any kind of comedy and like just just push it a little bit more a little bit more let's keep going with that well there there's only so many people in this and we have six murders you know and like by the end what i find funny is that the people just don't even care. They just think it's a pain in the ass someone else is dead. They're just burned yeah. out. No, there's like, oh, I guess, you know, they're like, all like, right. Of course this person's dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. I thought Yvette was such a, a big character in this. And it's like when we see the poster, at least the, the one I saw, I didn't see her on it and I was surprised. Because I felt like she was a really big part of this. And then she has that interesting reveal where the accent is fake. Mm-hmm. She's working for someone else. I, I mean, it was every single person, the motorist, the singing telegram, the, the police officer. All, all of those them. little connections. Yeah, and, and they had like this whole life. So it wasn't just like you know, a throwaway character of I'm pumping gas. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's pumping Everybody gas. Everybody contributes to the mystery. Mm-hmm. And I actually think this is pretty great mystery writing. I mean, I I am in the middle of trying to write a mystery myself. John and I wrote a play for my mom's um, high school class that was like a mystery, like a Halloween theme kind of mystery. Awesome. It was kind of like Scooby Doo meets Clue. Like when we, <laughs> I haven't watched Clue recently. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've watched it after we wrote that play. And then when I watched it, Clue again, I'm like, oh, we were just totally like ripping off Clue, like left and right here. 
<laughs> like unconsciously so and it's kind of hard to like plot out a really workable mystery and this is super comedic and funny yeah and farcical and at the same time a really good mystery um, because of how attentive they were to these little details exactly and i think this is this is one of those things that um, I have, like, such a weird, like, slant towards, like, the comedy and, like, the plays and, you know, premises that I that I really enjoy seeing and I really get a kick out of. Um, and this really kind of feeds back into that. Like, Clue, like, Holy Grail, like, those <laughs> are Princess Bride. Those are three movies that, you know, might be, like, kind of just like, eh, sure, those are pretty sweet. But... I mean, those are those are utterly ridiculous movies. Like, they if are. you consider them as like a serious fairy tale or anything like that, like if you consider Clue serious, you're really kind of missing it, um, <laughs> or you haven't seen it past like that 45 minute mark or something like that. Yeah, it's just you know, once it once it tumbles down, it just goes <laughs> goes to pieces completely. It's just, and it's one of those tales as old as time. <laughs> I also this I can't believe so I didn't get to see it at the movie theater I saw it on video but it took me a while to see it on video because get this my friends that did see it all shit talked it they said you know what it's not that good it's boring you, you know I don't care and so like I really wanted it but all this negativity put me off for a while and mm. then when I finally watched it I was so sucked in. I laughed so hard. I was like, okay, I'm never listening to anyone again. <laughs> you know, like if I want to see it, I'm going to see it because clue is one of these movies that I don't think we could ever get again. I mean, there are so many talented people in the world and you can do a remake, but you're not going to have this crew. And this crew is perfect because it's crazy. Yeah. Like Lee Ving, Lee Ving oh is Mr. God. Body. Right? Like, you're like, what? What are we doing? <laughs> Lee Ving? We love Lee it's Ving like around here. And he seriously was hired literally for his name. It was, yeah. They were like, oh my God, your name is leaving. You got to come work on this movie. Let me tell you. Yeah. They're like, oh, and he'll be like, leaving soon. <laughs> like, okay, got it. I mean, but I mean, he's like, he's one of the lines that we quote. We're always saying, I'm going to get my little bag from the hall. Yes. Like, we're always saying that. Like, I just think he's, he's so menacing. Like, in a vacuum for no reason and i love that yeah because it is absurd <laughs> and i he, he's great it was it was kind of like um you know when i was when i was a kid he was always the person that i was just like hey he's he's not the best actor or whatever and i kind of really did, i did not appreciate mr body i did not appreciate leaving um when I was when I was younger, and I was kind of like, ah, that's a funny name, whatever. whatever. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> everybody else just like totally overshadowed um, that whole thing, and that was just, you know, apologies, many apologies. <laughs> he had such great spats. Like I wanted those spats, and I love his jacket. Yeah, I thought Mister Body had like stylish. great style. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it's like he was a, a he was a singer in a punk band. If I'm he not, was, yeah, yeah, he was, he was yeah, a singer and, of Fear. I, what? He's great. 
Yeah, he was in Streets of Fire. I'm pretty uh, sure. I loved him in that. Yeah, he's great. He's Again, like I mean, Defoe's right hand man. The same kind of a mood he's bringing. He's like this street tough kind of guy, and it just made like this impression, you know. But I did actually really like him in this. I, I, I mean. Next to all the other people, you know, it's kind of difficult to stick out. Oh, yeah. Because everybody else is so funny, and he's not really that funny, but I would never forget, like, the little bag from the hall. Well, I also want to raise the question of, how the hell did this guy get this house? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, did he really, like, I mean, if he's this master blackmailer, like, I dig his style, but... <laughs> I think he could have, like, upped the game a little. You well, know what it, I mean? It depends on which ending you go with, too, because... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could just be that that's Mr. That's the butler, you know? I would buy that more. I don't think I would buy him as a butler. I just... <laughs> his punkness comes out too much. I'd like him to give me some soup, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't see him keeping the kitchen tidy. You know what I mean? I think he would just murder people in your house. Yeah, I I think so, too. I kind of see this as like some sort of like twisted Airbnb. Like it's going to get a very bad review, I think, because people are going here and just like there's like murder parties going on. Yeah. It's it's a very weird American horror story. Well, how about when they have the dead bodies and they make it look like, you know, they're they're like having sex. I mean, that kills me. You know what I mean? When like, like Madeline Kahn is moving leaving. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And leaving, I swear to God, we were looking. I we think he's laughing. I think he was trying so not funny. to laugh because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Right. I mean, and of course, like, you know, when we were kids watching this, it's like on a small little screen on VHS and now we're watching like, you know, high def TV. Right. And you can see things that you probably weren't ever intended to see. But it really looked like Lee Vang was trying not to laugh in the scene because it is so funny. Well, we also have Martin Mull and then like Eileen Brennan on the either side. Oh yeah. Of Mrs. Ho. And like Eileen Brennan is just in terror. You know what I mean? She hates it and, so much. Well She's and Martin. And Martin Mull, like, props open the eyes. He, like, lifts up. He's, like, touching the top of her head, like, completely randomly just to hold her eyes open. And then, I mean, I love that Professor Plum just thinks this is his opportunity with Miss Scarlet. And, you know, they, like, I love, there's, like, this man is drunk. Dead drunk. (laughs) Dead right. Dead right. (laughs) And then Plum is immediately like back on Miss Scarlet. (laughs) The motorist, when they put the hat on him, I don't know why I think that's so damn funny, but like, it's hilarious to me. Like him with the bottle in the corner, like the way that they set up the dead bodies is so good. And then the fact, you know, we've got the tunes going in a background, like it's, you know, some real like happening party oh i love it and like mr green doesn't realize this is happening and he's just like are you sure that oh sorry no that was tim curry are you sure this is all legal (laughs) that's the that's really what i love like like and then mr green is like standing behind the cop like mugging to death like trying to, to make wadsworth understand that it's okay like no it's good it's good we pulled it off (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the great things about this is that there is all this attention to detail in the script and the lines are just funny. I'm sure there was like a lot of ad lib going on. Oh yeah. No, actually. Oh really? This is, this is one of those tidbits and this is one of those things that I like so appreciate like both the writing here and like the the professionalism and respect that each of these actors obviously has for each other um as performers because there was one ad-lib line that actually got into the final uh movie and that was the uh madeline khan the flames flames from the side of my face flaming breathing you know that that was the only ad-libbed part in the whole wow. movie wow. that totally floored me when i learned that little fact factoid i'm shocked by fun. that i think that's i do think that's awesome though because i love a good script i love it when somebody like actually writes something good you know i'm not a big improv person i'm a shakespeare person oh my God, hello yeah. <laughs> so clearly like i'm more interested in like oh let's go with the scripts you know um and i love that i think that's great well, one of the people we haven't really like, like really praised yet, who's huge for me, is Colonel Mustard, Martin Mull. Oh yeah. I mean, this character is such a blowhard, and I love it every second how he thinks he's in control. He's getting to the bottom of it, you know, when he's grilling Tim Curry about <laughs> is there anyone in the house, you know, and it turns into this who's on first bit. So oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. there is, or yes, there isn't. <laughs> Look, I don't need your help looking stupid. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, like, honestly, as somebody who walks into those lines so often, like, uh, Colonel Mustard, he's got like a little piece, little space in my heart here. Because, like, he's utterly, re- he's trying so hard. He's like really trying. And then when he talks about like his mommy and daddy died in the war, yeah. it was like, I'm sorry, your mommy and daddy? What? <laughs> like, how old are you? Balding exactly. man with a mustache? Like, what's going on? Yeah, I love that. I love that. He's really smart. And then somehow he, like, almost pulls out, like, real feelings later yeah. when he talks about the fact that he's a war profiteer. Right. He seems, like, actually, like, he's acting and he really has remorse. And I'm like, wait you know this movie is not like that right but like he like brings this kind of realness that i guess i wasn't quite expecting what is kind of interesting though is you know since uh my husband john he's retired from the air force like we've been you know you can i have a special card id i can go shop (laughs) on the military bases um and you know there's a lot of obviously you run into a lot of vets there and um so we'll go shopping and it'll just be like amazing how you'll see like these, this is how Martin Mull does such a good job. You'll see like these really hard military guys and they're like, all right, honey, do you need to go to the bathroom and go potty? And you're just like, <laughs> you're a six foot three, like brick. Um, and you just said potty. <laughs> it's, and it's so hilarious. 
<laughs> that's really funny. Mommy and daddy go potty. That's oh, great. That's so good. I mean, well, this is what I, I was in the back of my head. I know Jonathan Lynn, you know, he is a director that has a lot of crazy credits. And I was like, what is it? What is it that he directed? Okay. Jonathan Lynn, our director of Clue, directed Nuns on the Run, My Cousin Vinny, Distinguished Gentleman, Sergeant Bilko, The Whole Nine Yards. Like, these are like big people. You know, this other movie, I've never seen Greedy, but that's another like ensemble mm -hmm. comedy. And this guy's also a writer, you know, and it's just like, you could really tell that he has like this great you, uh, sensibility. Yeah. And he did you say he had a background on like a British television yes. show too? I mean, wrote every episode of the acclaimed BBC comedy series, Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. Which makes a lot of sense because this has, I feel like this has a lot of, I don't know, roots sort of in that sort of British farce comedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. You could see like John Cleese. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. As, you know, as the butler. Yeah. I it mean, would be it a would different movie, much. but it would also be a good movie. That's like the only uh, remake that I can sanction is a time travel back in time remake um, where we do just a British version of this mm. at the same era, you know, the 80s. So I am going to say that like, there was a rumor going around, I don't know if it was like two or three years ago or whatever, with like the Ryan Reynolds remake. Yeah, yeah and Jason Bateman. Who yeah. would Jason Bateman have been? I don't know. I kind I, of I he, just really don't he know. He could actually have been like a like a Mr. Green. But like Ryan Reynolds as Wadsworth, I think I think that would work. And I kind of could get behind it because Ryan Reynolds really does have that that like inner frenetic energy that that Tim Curry really does channel during in as this character here. I think that that is still well. It's still listed on IMDb as a potential thing. I guess it went into pre-production like two years ago at this point. So I don't know if it's still kind of live. <laughs> and like, let's be honest, I would watch it. Oh yeah, I would be very concerned, but I would watch it. I mean, I do think Jason Bateman is hilarious. I do think Ryan Reynolds is hilarious. I could actually see Ryan Reynolds more as the Mr. Green type character um, who kind of, it, you I know, think if is... he was Mr. Green, I wouldn't go see it. <laughs> I would really only go see it if he was Wadsworth because, like, I have now, like, built that up in my in my mind here as, like, wow, that would that would actually work. I can see that he doesn't... Because Wadsworth is, you know, especially when you call back to like ending three or the ending C where he is the one who, who did it basically and is like orchestrated this whole thing. Um, that's one of those things that I think I think Ryan Reynolds could kind of pull that off a little bit. Well, I think that it's possible. Again, I would be very cautious going into any remake of this. Like. I don't think right. I had, like, a stroke over it when I heard that they were thinking about remaking this the same way that I did when I heard they were thinking about remaking Princess Bride. And I was just no, like... Yeah, that's a no. Stop. It like, immediately stop. No. But this... I mean, there's enough play here that if you messed with it a little bit and, like, did some different things with it, that it could be fun. I mean, especially if 
you decided to like change the setting somehow or something because yeah the board game isn't set in the 50s if you if you update it to a different to a different time period like yeah. uh you know maybe maybe you could have like some sort of 70s thing i don't know oh, um, that would i don't be know good where idea. That would be good. you know cool and fun oh actually no yeah the disco thing mm, disco that would food. be interesting yeah mm. you could have like everybody would have those like kick-ass like 70s clothes on Colonel Mustard right. have a horrendous polyester leisure suit in oh bright yellow. I would love it. Absolutely. Platform shoes. Oh yes, Absolutely. yes. With a goldfish in it, like he would just have everything. Like, I think that that would be really cool. Um, because yeah, this this is kind of portable. I mean, the the game I don't think is set. It's not set in the fifties. I feel like the game, at least when I was playing it when i was a kid mm -hmm. seemed like it was kind of like you know turn of the century like 1880s to 1900 some kind of something in there like yeah, victorian it was, type it era it was like it was in oldie times you know yeah. kind of thing but they updated it to the 50s here which i think mm -hmm. they did to such great effect because there's like the stuff about mccarthyism and communism right, because, is just a red herring because <laughs> that actually gives it like a at least like a backbone of a story that you can yes. kind of work with it and like bring everybody together and like there's some sort of reason so it <laughs> in one way you could actually just say you know replace uh communism with you know what's the boogeyman uh what's the boogeyman of the 80s oh yeah that was communism oh my <laughs> god an 80s 80s clue that, 80s well, that's clue, what i've yeah. been thinking oh my think god about it. 80s are really popular now come on well but what i was thinking about is like with the 80s thing with like the party you know what mm -hmm. i mean where they have all the dead people and they're making it like a party you know right? what is the biggest thing we see people loved to party in the 80s like you could have gone all the oh, way yeah. with that and no one would have questioned everybody would have been mm -hmm. on cocaine exactly <laughs> so it's like if everybody is coked up people could be flying through these lines like if you had wadsworth ripping lines and going through the thing or like people needed to come down you know what i mean because the 80s was like really the time where it was like heavy partying and experimenting i think that if right? you did an 80s one it would be drug fueled and insane. Like it would be That's insane. Funny. And would everybody be would look like they were insane. a dynasty or something. Yeah. <laughs> Dressed with like the big shoulder pads and the big hairspray wow. hair. No. So like, you know, Mrs. Peacock, she's going to be like some sort of Tammy Faye. Oh, oh wow. Kind of. Um, let's see. Ryan let's... Reynolds, call us. We've got ideas. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm designing the whole thing in my head right now. <laughs> that's that's the problem when you could when you're a theater person, you're like, okay, that's how it's gonna be. Uh, <laughs> I know we're we're a little Shakespearean this is showing. We're like, let's move it to a different era and then you know, yeah. I love this. I let's love put it. it in space, you know? Right. Space clue. Space. space clue. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, this this is actually <laughs> hyping me about the remake because I was yeah, hearing about the I remake mean, and I'm like, eh, but now I'm like, oh my god, this could be great. Let's do all these things. Right. If as long as you're not doing one of those like, okay, we got to remake it like exactly kind of thing. Like, no, God, you have so many, so much flexibility with this one. Exactly. Yeah, you can't redo this this good in this exact same way. You have to like 
season it a little bit differently. We, I, it's so funny when I think about all this different stuff about, like, I have so much nostalgia with this movie, and I just think about mm-hmm. my sisters and I watching this all the time, to the point where we would, like, go swimming at my step-grandparents' house, and we would be, like, on the diving board and just pretending to be the singing telegram girl getting <laughs> shot and falling into the water. Like, <laughs> we would just stand up there and be like, I am your singing telegram and then somebody would shoot us and we'd fall off the diving board i mean we used to play everything with this i just it was like my life was just how much i love this movie and i loved the game before that like i think so fondly of that like we had this family that my family was friends with my our dad the dads of the families were like besties so my dad and the goldsmith dad were like best friends and pretty much once a year, they would come and hang out with us, or we would go stay with them. And we always played Clue. And just, like, all of us loved it for some reason. And I just remember the mom of that family, Carolyn, always wanted to be Miss Scarlet. And she would always just be walking around the house, just be like, Miss Scarlet! And I just have, you know, I love this game, I love this movie, because it just feels like it's such a big part of, you know, my life and who I am. I love it. Well, have either of you played the VHS game of Clue? Did either of you play it back in no, the day? No, I actually never did any of, like, those VHS games. I, like, totally missed it. It was, they're weird. Did you ever, like, I didn't so play weird. it. I didn't play it either. Did you? Yeah, I yeah. played it. We had it. So it was like, so it was like the way it worked. It is like, okay, so you would watch a scene, and then it was like, you would have to determine from the scene who killed who. But when you played the game, you would always be watching the same scenes. But somehow, I think, like, the paper clue was different. You know what I mean? So it was like, you were to find, like, different things in the scene that were very conspicuous. So it would tell you, you know, who committed the murder so we played it a few times but then i just was like you know what i just want to watch this so i just watched you know the whole thing straight through and i mean there are a lot of breaks because after every scene it's like you would have you know the the butler come on and be like okay stop the tape and take a look at your sheet you know and it's like okay you know and it's like you're like all right cool you know but it, it kind of like broke up the rhythm because it was exciting you had like, to like you, stop the tape you had to stop time. the tape and then you'd have to fast forward it was really it was weird that's a stuff. lot of work yeah it was so i it mean but your family around. your family went way harder on board games even than my family or any other family i knew like you guys played everything that was my dad my dad was the master of games and he got us in on it i liked it my mom kind of came along begrudgingly on the games most of the time you know um but we played everything my dad and i would play risk like we would spend hours on that there was another game called fortress america very similar to risk we were big on that yahtzee uno millborn oh my god Uh, uno you play millborn yes Oh, I love Millborn. I'm French. Yes. Kufere. <gasps> Kufere. Yeah, I never even I heard of Millborn until I met you. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head right now. I'm sure if I started playing it, I, I would remember pretty quickly. So but good. yeah, that's one of the, like, we were, uh, my family was pretty big card players. So, mm. like, it was, um, 
you know, cribbage is one of those that that I kind of oh, miss, yeah. and oh, I forget. Yeah. I completely forget how to play, so I'm not even downloading it or anything. I like forgot that. how to play too, but I used to go crazy hard on cribbage in college. Not in college. I remember how to play. I did play in college. What was what was actually really cool? Um, you know, because I come from a family of absolute geeks. Um, when I remember when I was growing up, you know, we had a Commodore 64. Yes. Okay. We did t- yeah. And yeah. we went and we were camping in the Berkshires in, you know, trailer. So it wasn't real camping, but, um, we, my dad, I remember took his Commodore 64, took a television up to the campground, had it underneath the, the awnings we had like schematics of all like the dungeons and stuff that he was going through and like wow. he and his friends were all doing this and yeah so that was more the gaming that i was in wow. but that's awesome though <laughs> i love that my dad would have like been all over that though because my dad was like super computer guy and he, he would have been like he would have immediately made friends with your dad right, they would have been besties and now the fun thing about that is like that's actually the stuff that I'm like doing at work right now is oh, wow. is like you know choose your own adventure classes and oh, stuff like that. Cool. So you know it you know these little things that we that we experience and I guarantee you like anything that I do like has those little you know bits of humor and you know something little quirky and like if you like scan in and you look at the details you'll be like you're a little off aren't you kind of thing (laughs) so it's it's the kind of little thing that this is what these things like growing up with Tim Curry as Wadsworth as like your idol like that's the kind of thing yeah yeah no exactly yeah if you're watching (laughs) Clue you're watching Princess Bride which has such a bizarre and amazing sense of humor holy grail you mentioned again one of my favorites monty python in general like right but also like speaking of like all of the pratfalls and like the physical comedy and all of that fun stuff too um one of the other movies that i really enjoyed as a kid was popeye oh Oh, yeah yeah. robin williams but uh, like you know Everybody remembers Robin Williams, but in the background, like all of those guys in, um, I forget what the town is, but like everybody there is like, if not a clown, like an actual, like, you know, physical comedic actor, like some of them go back to vaudeville times. And it's just like, when you watch some of that stuff in the background, it's like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I that's that's another formative movie for me too because I remember watching that with my family when I was like two. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of stuff that I think we all know like a little bit more than other people like maybe interested in knowing. Like, yeah. it's nice to find Probably those little so. like those little itty bitty factoids. Those are the, my favorite things to learn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's, like, pretty much everything. For John, I think it's, like, movies. Like, you know more about movies than, like, anyone I've ever met. Because you just <laughs> are, like, an endless well of crazy movie facts. Yeah. I mean, that was that was kind of a choice early on. I mean, everybody <laughs> had, 
you know, their sports that they were interested in. And I just was like, I will learn as much as I can about movies i mean it's yeah it's it's the passion right it's the the dream so it works out (laughs) no it is and i I like it and it's i don't know i don't know what to call it like it's not like a competitive thing like i feel like with sports it's like people are like yeah who hit the most home runs in 1969 (laughs) you know but i i feel like you know on the same token if you're like, you remember Dennis Hopper as King Koopa and Super Mario Brothers, you know, people just, you know, it's not that same level of yeah, excitement, but, you know, it's not it's, received the same. I put a higher value on that. I put a higher value on that than on who hit the most home runs. That's why we're married. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's also one of those things that like, it really kind of shows that you're not taking yourself like super seriously. <laughs> it's true. like, that is like, you know, such a fact that no one actually needs to know kind of thing. But, <laughs> but you're like hey i've got this information that you might not know about you know that's always like fun things to share like i i i like thinking of those things as like you know sprinkles or glitter out there it's just gonna make things like a little bit more interesting out there yeah, and just knowing the entire script of Clue is super helpful in that respect. Just to be endlessly quoting, you know, lines from this movie or any sketch from the kids in the hall. That's pretty much the two things that I can do in life. Well, let's let's do it. Let's. I was talk just going to say that. I was yeah, going to say right. we're on the same page. Boom. All right, let's hit like, it. Like, favorite line, John, what's your favorite line? Why is the car stopped? It's frightened. <laughs> oh, yeah. You really laughed on that one. That one got me so good. That was fantastic. So that's when Professor Plum and Miss Scarlet are driving up to the gate. Mm-hmm. And they just stop. He just stops. Yeah. You know, and Miss Scarlet is. And you see, like, this amazing house with, like, lightning striking behind it and everything. And that's just, that's what, what they discuss. I think that's really funny. Mm-hmm. That was mine. Yeah. Fresh out of the gate. I was like, that's the one. All right, John, what's your favorite line? Um, I think my favorite line really does have to be when um, uh, in ending C and Tim Curry's going around, I think, and, you know, he accuses Miss Scarlet of, of killing Yvette. And he's like, it was you, Miss, you, Miss Scarlet. And she's like, true. Who are you? Perry Mason. <laughs> and I'm just like, he just accused me of murder. And just think about seeing that, like, by itself in the movie theater as, like, without the first two endings. Because, like, ending C, like, really makes the most sense if you've seen the first two. Oh, yeah. But, like, if you could just get that by itself, it's just like, this makes absolutely no sense. And <laughs> just the fact that's, like, the pinnacle of, like, we are not taking this seriously anymore. <laughs> By the way, no. that's great. <laughs> so my favorite line is completely apropos of nothing is when uh, Wadsworth is like exposing Mrs. Peacock in both the B ending and the C ending. And he is just really sticking it to her. And he's like, monkey's brains, while popular in Cantonese cuisine, are not often to be found in Washington, D.C. Is that what we ate? and mr green is like oh god no and i don't know i just love that and also part of it is because of tim curry's 
like accent and the way mm-hmm. he says it and you know his delivery um and i don't know why but i i think of that line all the time all the time for no reason at all it lives rent free in my head <laughs> so it's own little condo up in there and i love it i actually kicked that one out of my head as the uh my favorite <laughs> line <laughs> I love it. I just, and it was so funny because again, back to that attention to detail, when you go back and think about that dinner scene, Miss Peacock is like super getting down on the entree. She loves it. Right. And everybody else is just like, oh, this kind of looks a little weird. And it does. It looks horrific. It's like this creamy white pile of goo. This reminds (laughs) me of like the one day I went, um, when I was teaching, our Latin teacher was this great old French Canadian guy. And I came in one morning and he's like, here, try this. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, try it. And I was like, all right, whatever. So (laughs) it was, it looked like basically the dinner, except it was a little bit more gray um, and it was cold, but it was really delicious. And I was not a vegetarian at the time. Um, And (laughs) yeah, it wasn't monkey's brains, but it, even after he told me, it was like, eh, whatever, it's good, I guess. Um, yeah, so it was some sort of French-Canadian entrails, cold. Thing. Yeah, but in Mississippi, they sell cans at the store of pork brains and milk gravy, wow. which mm-hmm. I have not eaten and never will because I'm horrified by that. But I was like, all right, well, that's a specialty item right there. It very much is. And yeah, there's there's like this small list of foods that my mom doesn't prepare unless like nobody's in the house for the whole day. Because um, not only is she from like the most French Canadian side of my family, like the most French Canadian side, uh, she also grew up in a Polish neighborhood. So she's got like the best of both cuisines there um, that are guaranteed to drive everyone out of your house. <laughs> Now here's Some of this. Them are good, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, what about this? What is your favorite non-verbal moment in Clue? Ooh, that's a tough question. <sighs> I think mine has to be. I mean, I guess I would consider it non-verbal when Wadsworth is retelling, you know, what happened, and he just keeps knocking Mister Green down, <laughs> and like he doesn't even need to at one point. And he does it anyway. And the way that just the look on Tim Curry's face at that point is so effing funny to me because, yeah, he like he's moved on. But then he just thinks about it again, turns around, just pushes him down again. Just like, you know what? You need to be on the floor. OK, moving on. Exactly. I laugh about that every time. I think for me, it has to be when Mr. Green and Yvette are going oh. up into the attic and neither one of them want to go. And then we cut away, you know, to another scene and we come back and they're just in the same position and haven't moved. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's my favorite well, one. I love that because it also builds on another moment that's happened before, which is, you know, Yvette is like boobs McGee out here with her boobs hanging out and everybody's dying over it. And she's like, but I don't want to go upstairs because I'm frightened of the dark. Will somebody come with me? And, you know, all the guys are like, yep, yep. Oh, I'll come. I'll come. And Mr. Green's like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, not only 
do those two get paired up, but they also have to go to the attic, which is the thing that she said she didn't want to do. And I just thought that was really brilliant. Building off of that. Oh my. So I, I at first was going to go with um, the classic just set up for the movie where Wadsworth is coming in. He shortens the dog's chains, steps in dog crap. And, you know, then comes in and then every single person afterwards has a moment of like, did I step in something? But no, it was Wadsworth. And I just, ah, that, that whole thing that just like tells me, tells you like right away that don't take this release too seriously. I love that too. This is kind of a comedy. Um, And he has like such a combative relationship with those dogs that it's just perfect. (laughs) That he steps in poop. But, like, just you mentioning um, the fact that Yvette and Mr. Green get paired up to go to the attic. Sorry, my favorite nonverbal comic line is uh, the fact that um, Professor Plum is the last person to draw a match. And he goes and he goes, like, matching it against everybody. Like, he has the tiniest piece because he's in the basement (laughs) um and he goes up to Yvette and it's like tiny big (laughs) and he's still like do you match and it's like you obviously do not match Mr. like just keep going but he has to put uh, it right next to it to check right and he's like maybe maybe it'll match I don't know and even people who are already clearly paired up like Colonel right. Mustard and Miss Scarlet are together, like right in front of him, and he still is like checking against them. I mean, he's so I, hammered at that point, I, and exa- that's what's hilarious. I, yep, it's just you and me, honey. Bunch. <laughs> and Mrs. Peacock is so disgusted. Yeah. Like, I love, there's another part I love where Miss Peacock and Miss Scarlet, they're both so disgusted, and like, yeah, I think Mrs. Peacock's like judging. Miss Scarlet, she's like, oh, God. And then, you know, she's like, oh, disgusting. And Miss Scarlet's like, oh, please. And the <laughs> two of them just hate each other, and I love it. Oh, right. Just so it's a great one movie. of them's like, just so, like, Miss Scarlet is just so transparent. I'm like, yep, I run a whorehouse. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And Miss Peacock is just like, well, I don't take bribes. And we're like, and that's like, does anybody else want to deny it? No. I mean, I've never, like, gone to a party where someone's uh, been killed, let alone six people. Yeah, I know. That's a... How about you guys? <laughs> well, just the once. <laughs> just, yeah, just that one time. <laughs> so one time. <laughs> no, but I, but I will tell you, like, one of, um, when I was teaching, I was teaching back at uh, Nashua High School North. Um, and I also directed the drama club and our fall, um, shows that I super enjoyed like the most, um, we actually did murder mysteries, um, that were, you know, kind of similar to Clue. They were really fun, really ridiculous. So one of them was called remains to be seen. So I can no longer hear the phrase remains to be seen without (laughs) thinking of that production um but my is it like the remains of a body is that what it's referring to 
they just um the title of the play was remains to be seen but they just kept repeating the phrase well that <laughs> remains to be seen kind of thing uh, over and over and over again it was these were very farcical murder mysteries um my favorite moment in those um was they did moments in the second act where um the audience was allowed to ask the actors questions oh wow um which as a high school drama teacher uh when uh your villain ultimately like comes out at the beginning of the second act falls down on stage because he's pretending to be drunk and then his gun falls out of his jacket um when we get to the question after part after that uh, one of the audience members said, hey, pat him down. He's got a gun. <laughs> and then my actress in high school very um, helpfully suggested, um, I don't want to touch his ass. Do you want to touch his ass? <laughs> and I was like, please stop talking. All of you stop <laughs> talking right now. I'd like to have a job in the morning. <laughs> That's amazing. You and my mom could probably share a lot of stories because <laughs> she basically introduced a, a drama program at my old high school where she now teaches and they didn't have one before. And yeah, moments like that happen all the time. I hear about them and it's hilarious. I'm glad to be hearing about them and not living them, but you guys could probably share some amazing war stories. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> the mystery that we wrote for her um, is basically like um, a school literary club is having a Halloween party and all the students who are attending are disguised as detectives. So they decided their Halloween costume would be as a detective, literary detective. And they all start taking on the personas that they mm -hmm. have dressed as over the oh, course dear. of it. So <laughs> we had like a Miss Marple who's like the school gossip Mm -hmm. We have like a Hercule Poirot, who's it was a girl, and she just keeps I love eating. Poirot. Poirot yeah, so I do cute. too. He's one of my favorites. And then the main girl um, decided to be Veronica Mars, and she does like a whole thing on why television is literature at the beginning. <laughs> and it's really funny. So we had a great time watching that, but it is like this great like ensemble mystery again and I think again I was influenced by loving Clue and Clue was clearly influenced by people who really knew their Agatha Christie um, type mysteries you know exactly. so I think that's that's another thing I, I definitely love about this because I love Agatha Christie I love reading those and even though in a lot of ways they always end up being the same and I it's hard to be a mystery lover because once you read so many of them by page three you know who did it like every time you read a new book I'm like oh yeah it's this guy yeah um so it's hard but at the same time I still love it because mm -hmm. I have such a fondness for like you know this kind of story my whole life well, nothing yeah. beats Encyclopedia Brown, guys. I loved Encyclopedia Brown. He was my favorite. Were you headed there? I was <laughs> not. I was actually just going to say that, like, it, um, my son actually in the past year or so has, has developed, um, a little bit more of an interest in, like, the TV, um, inspectors. So, like, we went through Sherlock, we went through, oh, yeah. uh, 
Sherlock Holmes, which is different from Sherlock. Um, then he started like showing me some Poirot and then he started showing me Columbo's and I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, Columbo is like some of the best. And I don't think like people would have, people probably would not have been as primed for, I don't know which one came out first. Did Columbo come out first? And stuff. I think Columbo's first. I think Columbo. Columbo was what like seventies, right? And it might have come into maybe late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Peter Falk. Yeah, exactly. So I think like Tim Curry really does kind of like channel a little bit of that Columbo um, <laughs> energy going on when he gets to the end, and he's like, "All right, now I'm going to show you how everybody did it." <laughs> and like that's the thing that like really blew my mind. Um, with this one was that like let me show you how how we did it although I've never been like in tune enough or paid attention enough to like double check everybody at the end of it (laughs) so thank you Georgia for doing that yeah you know I've done it since I was a kid like the first time I saw it and I was like wait was that true and then I like immediately I'm like Telling my mom, I'm like, Mama, just get the video again. I have to watch it again. <laughs> you know, so like the next day, I'm like, after school, I'm like sitting in front of the TV, like, okay, Mrs. Peacock is not supposed to be here right now. So let's see if she shows up. And she did mm-hmm. not. So yeah. nice. Eagle, I was like, Eagle Eye on who's messing when. Does it match up? If it didn't, like, I would have been like on it so hard. I would have been like, no, they blew it. I mean, but I'm I'm like such a fact checker anyway. Like, I read I read it Stephen King's it when I was like twelve, and like on page three hundred, they're saying that this one character is Methodist, and then on page like twelve hundred, it's like talking about him being Catholic, and I'm like, that's not true. He was Methodist, and like I was instantly flipping back in the book like <laughs> obviously i didn't misremember this let me double check and then i checked and i'm like wrong somebody should have caught that you know i'm like okay well it was just like a thousand pages different but i'm very picky like that i just like i mean when i'm when i'm really into some form of entertainment whether it's reading or watching a movie or something i'm i'm very that's the time when i am very attentive i'm very mm-hmm. difficult with difficult for me to pay attention to many things as i get older especially but this type of thing is where i can get my like my hyper focus in Mm. action that's a really (laughs) nice thing to do what i've been deep in on with this is martin mull as colonel mustard so this this is kind of weird okay so martin mull in this movie is like bigger than i remember him i always think of like martin mull from mr mom and he was thinner so the way the Martin Mull, what he looks like, he looks like the actor William Hootkins. That's the guy that played Porkins. He played Major Eaton in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was in Flash Gordon. He was Lieutenant Eckhart in the Tim Burton Batman. Like he favors him so much in this. And so like William Hootkins, a bigger guy, you know, and Martin Mull is bigger in this as well. And we talked about him being a blowhard. And I actually kind of feel like what Martin Mull is trying to do is channel like a Poirot kind of thing. Hmm. But he's doing it in a way that's, you know, unsuccessful. And very American. Correct. Like, Poirot is so, like, European. 
but mustard is so american yeah i mean mustard is the name you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like food so i i was like whoa so like as soon as you were talking about like colombo i was like wait let's go back to this william hootkins brain worm you've had and i'm like oh my god he's like poirot interesting i yeah. i think but then again like he goes back towards that that whole farcical element of you always have that guy who thinks that he's really smart and he's like totally not and right and just like tim curry the like british man versus like martin mull the the total american it's like you know he could outclass him at any second like it will just take him like one little thing and it'll just be like so oh my god (laughs) and it doesn't matter yeah that wadsworth is like servant class and and colonel mustard is not like it just doesn't matter because yeah he he's so posh and his his accent is so like proper in this too and it's it's really funny i that's great (laughs) what if we could go back in time and put Peter Sellers in the movie Clue. Oh wow! I mean, it would be hard because he could have he could have won he could have been Wadsworth. I know where you're going for, and I could see it. I mean, Tim Curry is so perfect in this. Yeah, I don't yes, think I would want really. to change it, but it's just like it's weird because we started spinning the wheel of yeah, what if we got other people? And it's like, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about because Peter Sellers could really kind of disappear into some really weird kind of characters so yeah yeah, i could see him in this that's that's the thing is like all of these folks are like brilliant character actors like i don't think many of them if any of them are really big on like the the one headlining role um that they've really had like i mean tim curry even in in like rocky horror that was still a big it's a pretty big kind of ensemble cast, cast yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So the fact that they're all playing off against each other, I think that's the thing that um that really makes this work way more so than anything else. So that's why it's so hard to try to think about something to recast because everybody that you put in, you have to find somebody to balance that energy. Yeah. Um, in the True. right way. Yeah, and I just yeah, I don't feel like people do that as much anymore. I feel like people are always trying to kind of showboat and kind of be the biggest draw. And in this, it is a very respectfully balanced performance from everybody. And you feel like they're really talking to each other, you know, and, and listening because there's a lot of times when a character will say something and another character will call them on it and say, well, didn't you say this before? So what's true? The other really nice thing about all these characters is that they're all caricatures. So, like, they can only exist inside, like, this bubble. Like, this is what, you know, the woman who runs the whorehouse is like. And you can't step outside that bubble, so it's not one of those, like, well, I'm going to create, like, this wonderful character or anything like that. Like, no, you are a caricature. Like, these are your rules and that's all. That's yeah it. no so, exactly i mean I mrs white too. mrs white is a great example of that right because she's like this black oh widow gosh. you know who's <laughs> how many husbands have you had mine or someone else's <laughs> <laughs> 
yours. Oh, five. Five? Yes, just the five. <laughs> just the five. <laughs> just the five. Men are like Kleenex. They should be soft, strong, and disposable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's great. Madeline Kahn is brilliant. Yeah. I can't really imagine anyone else playing this version of right. Mrs. White. She's perfect. Well, there's only one Madeline Kahn. Yeah, that's true. And she's so funny and everything. I think of her in Young Frankenstein all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, if you're going to do this in like an 80s, that would definitely be like the the Danielle Steele romance writer. I, think. <laughs> I love that. We're going to have like 17 remake <laughs> version scripts that we, that's going to be all of our new hyper focus. Next weekend, we're going to be like messaging each other. Okay, so I just wrote the sixth version of this. <laughs> and this time I've set it on Jupiter in the year 1982 and so we're so we're at a raver party in in 97 and i mean i love it so we're at gettysburg in the 1880s you know and we just stop off for a drink you know okay and this is the this time all the characters are civil war ghosts (laughs) yeah i love it i mean how do you kill a ghost that's whole you know that's part of the concept i guess i love this yeah (laughs) this show is just one of those show yeah like i'm talking about it like it is it is absolutely a play and this is actually one of those things that um you know to talk about other movies i'm not as familiar with this one but you know after i saw this with my stepdaughter i saw we watched Clue. I was like, have you ever seen Noises Off? And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, we gotta watch that. <laughs> you would really enjoy that. And and I think, honestly, like, my gosh, some of, some of the experiences that I've had with, especially doing the comedies with Shakespeare, like, working with the same people over the course of, like, eight or ten weeks or what... However, how long did we work together over the summer? I can't even remember. Yeah, eight it or was ten but years. Eight or like ten it. years, yeah. something no, like that. It was probably <laughs> it was probably ten or twelve weeks. I, I would say it was like three months. Yeah, something like that. But the fact that you're like, um, especially thinking about these folks being characters, caricatures, is that you're doing the same thing. They're like they're the same caricature over and over and over again, which is why like that uh that three endings kind of works. Because, you know, caricatures are so blank and so flexible that you can kind of make them work however you want them to work. So that's like really the only reason that those three endings work. Especially that they put them in such like extremes of ridiculousness like the first one it's like okay maybe that happened and then ending b it's like why is all of the fbi outside (laughs) and then ending three it's like by the time you get to miss scarlet like who are you perry mason it's just like (laughs) how did you figure out all of this kind of thing it was just like okay now we're just getting ridiculous but like that's the only way that this works is so good so yeah it is good i feel like this is kind of one of those you know lightning in a bottle kind of movies where Mm. 
they were able to get exactly the right cast, a really exactly well done the script. Right script. Yeah, exactly. and then you know they picked the right influences, right? They picked like the right tropes and and the right kind of frameworks and different things and put everything together with this 50s setting which kind of peppers in a lot of extra stuff that's great and it just is like they've managed to capture something that's so special so fun and it it probably isn't for everyone like I was struck by you know John you were saying that all your friends had seen it and they thought it was crap yeah and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? And then I'm just know. like, yeah, well, it just isn't their sense of humor. You know, this is kind of a an offbeat movie. And I think you kind of have to be a certain kind of a person to enjoy all of what it has to offer. I'm kind of curious, like nowadays, I actually noticed um, now that I have the DVD as opposed to just the VHS, um, where, you know, it's like, you're going to get all three endings, whatever. Um, if you have the DVD, you can actually choose that, um, theatrical experience where the DVD is going to throw you one of the three endings. And I've actually never tried that. So I'm hmm. kind of curious, like how that would kind of skew my enjoyment of this film. Hmm. I wonder too, because like the whole thing was that I guess John Landis from what I read, who was a producer had this idea that they were going to do the three different endings and was just like, Oh, it's going to be great. Cause people are going to go to the movies three times to see one of the endings, which backfired big time. This is not a hit right. in the theater. People didn't want to pay to see this movie three times. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, this is stupid. Why don't you just pick an ending? And then it became more of like a cult hit as it came out on home video. And you got like all three, And, like, the little title cards that came in between that are like, well, that could have happened, but how about this? And, you know, I I like that, too, because it's, you know, a break in the fourth wall, and it becomes, like, then very meta. Like, you're just like, well, there really is no universally acknowledged truth. There's just different versions, you know. So it kind of adds, like, another dimension to the movie at that point right and you know once you get to the point of asking well now there is no universal truth now you've just put this like now we can have a graduate school class about dissecting (laughs) clue um you know for what is the universal truth there you go georgia you're all set yeah (laughs) the philosophy of clue i mean they used to have these books and i don't know if these are as popular now but i remember buying one for my dad at one point it was like the philosophy of the Simpsons mm-hmm. and it like wrote about philosophical concepts using the Simpsons. So there's like all these, the philosophy of pop culture things. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was a clue one, if not get an agent on the phone. I'm going to pitch this right now. I'm going to guess that there wasn't. So you are all set. I'm on it. You're on it. Uh, this will be my next hyper focus after I write the 14th version of, the clue remake alternate <laughs> universe the one in ancient egypt yes oh yes <laughs> yes in the mummy's tomb of course, of course. Yes. Right. oh my god we'll bring brendan fraser back it'll be the mummy <laughs> clue version oh, yes ah the I brother just, like, could be wadsworth 
Oh, that makes sense. He kind of looks like Tim Curry. Ooh. All right. Good call. <laughs> All right. So I think that's it for the Clue show. Uh, we could keep going for another week. But <laughs> well, we probably... haven't we haven't gone through and recited the whole movie yet. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, and... there's like another hour and a half or so for that. <laughs> And now is the time that we just recite the film from memory. <laughs> I mean, which we probably could. I mean, because that's what happens to me all the time. I'll just think about a scene. Like, I just thought about another scene that I like where when Mr. Green shows up and he's outside and, <laughs> and Tim Curry greets him or whatever. And then he's like, looks at the dogs because they're growling. And he's like, sit. And... <laughs> And Michael McKeon like instantly sits down, you know, like he's been ordered to sit. He's like, not you, sir. So funny. (laughs) And uh, he he's he's got like an implied eye roll there. He's like, oh my god, this guy. I love it. You know what I think would be super neat, but I can't remember the line exactly. But I think one of you two would (laughs) is at the very end of the movie, Mister Green actually solves the murder in the style of the board game before but if saying you want to know one. who killed wadsworth it was me in the hall with the revolver yes there you go so good and now i'm gonna go home and sleep, <laughs> and with, sleep my with, wife. with my wife <laughs> <laughs> brilliant it's just brilliant. That's the cut. best last line ever. Smash yeah. cut. Really? I mean, that's right up there with uh, Rodney Dangerfield oh. and, and Caddyshack. All right, everybody. We're all going to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need to freeze frame us. Like... Yeah, freeze frame. No. Uh. <laughs> all right, that's it. That was excellent. That'll... Coming soon to an Instagram near you. Um, <laughs> all right. Awesome. So this that incredible. was an awesome discussion, Jen. Yeah. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Thank you so hey. so much. Um, we had such a good time. I mean, this movie is so much fun, oh and I you know, I, I just could. <laughs> I just kind of want to go watch it again and and revisit some of the things we discussed because i just like it so much so see now one of the things is like i gotta go watch noises off again i'm like really itching to watch like a funny thing happened on the way to the forum because this is how much of a theater geek i am (laughs) well i've never actually seen noises off so now i am gonna have to go see it noises off oh my god yeah i saw the play i saw the movie (laughs) john ritter is in the movie oh wow yes christopher reeve is in the movie carol burnett Carol Burnett, um, Michael Caine. This yeah, is my that's, assignment. That's my next weekend. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just agreeing. So I was like, you know, I was like, I don't remember. I remember Ritter. That's what I remembered. Mm-hmm. But holy smokes. Wow. And then Peter Bogdanovich directed it. I did not remember that at all. I did not know that. But oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Um, I had I had a couple friends who did um, who did the summer internships at Williamstown where yeah. Christopher Reeve started. Um, so in Williamstown Theater Festival, while Christopher Reeve was alive, he had his own power outlet at the oh. Williamstown Theater Festival. Like, nothing was allowed to be plugged into that outlet because it was Christopher Reeve's outlet. 
Wow. So he could come to the shows anytime. It was that's great. awesome. Yeah, there's my little tidbit there. Well, wow. that's my you. that's definitely my assignment for the week is to go watch that. So you're gonna love it. You're gonna love you're it. Gonna I'm love psyched. It. I'm you're always so happy. It. I'm always so happy when I've missed something that I'm that I'm gonna love, and I get to do it for the first time because mm. you know the older I get, the less opportunity I have like that you know to do something and i get exactly. yeah and i feel i always feel so happy for people when they get to do something for the first time so mm-hmm. i get to right. be that person now yay it's so cool. it's nice. well again thank you so Hi. much for joining us we had a super thank fun you. time and uh yeah that's it for clue stay comfy everyone stay comfy everybody <laughs>